After a meal like that, you deserve a little dessert. This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Matthews works it in over the line to Tavares, dropping it back to Riley. Riley over on the far side for Nylander back. It comes to Matthews. He scores! You cannot say he has the puck, he shoots, he scores without being really late. Really late. That thing was a bullet. Bullet pass from William Nylander. Bullet shot from Austin Matthews. That opened the scoring. That'd be all the offense the Leafs would need. They would find a couple more goals and a 3-0 win over the Predators at home. The team stays red, red hot. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Justin Bourne standing by as well. Gord, Gord I'll start with you. What a, what, what a game for, for this team. I, I keep coming back to the point that this team feels just so much more comfortable with a lead late than they have in any other kind of past iterations. Maybe Part of that's that it was the Predators tonight, but it just seems to me like this team is just, it, there's much less panic late in games when they have a lead. Well, there's kind of that eerie calm like the Tampa Bay Lightning had Game 7 last year against the New York Islanders, right? A one nothing lead seemed insurmountable. And all I can say, one word, soupy. <laughs> that's it, soupy. That's what's doing it right now. Jack Campbell, I am addicted like everybody else. I mean, wow. I know Leafs outshot Tampa, excuse me, Leafs outshot Nashville. They outplayed Nashville by and large, but man, oh man. The guy had some sort of juicy Saros, but the guy had some big saves in the Toronto goal, and I think I think that's the biggest reason right now to your point. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I echo all of that. Uh, we'll we'll bring in Justin Bourne. You hear him on Real Real Kipper and Bourne all the time. Bourne, uh, long time no talk. How you been, bud? I've been great. I've been great. Just watching the, the Leafs win and win and win. Such an easy sport. It's funny. We, you and I were uh, you and I were texting. I don't know a couple weeks ago, saying, "Oh, you know, uh, me starting my Leafs Nation career. It'd be nice if the team could win some games." And I think like two minutes after that, they started doing so. So I'll give I'll give at least half a uh, percent of credit to to you on that. You know what's what stood out for you about this, this team? I mean, it's it's easy to say the big guys are scoring, and all of a sudden they got a little depth. And oh boy, look at this! It's a really good team. But what what's been the kind of biggest difference to you over the last ten games? Yeah, you know, I'd agree definitely the the top guys, um, you know, drive the bus and them finding their games and and all that makes the least the team they're supposed to be, right? When they're they're playing in the vision that Dubas had for them, that that's a big thing. But like a night like tonight, tough to miss that like Kasha Kampf and Engvall were pretty darn good third line for them. I think they had uh, combined for nine shots, roughly. They were, you know, all over the net. Um, you know, you know, really looked like an effective line for this hockey team. And, and David Kampf has been a real bright spot. I know that goal's not a ripper. I know he has a complete duster of a play on a two-on-one where he puts <laughs> it into the guy's shin pad halfway up his leg. But, like, he's he's all over the puck. He's got that long stick and in pursuit and works hard. And there's some good things happening beyond the, the, the best guys in the team right now. Born. Oh, it's not the same as Soupy. Sorry, I was just trying it out, <laughs> testing out the cheer. Uh, but speaking of Soupy Campbell, though, I mean, I got to say, again, we'll, we'll put the Chicago game way back because that was reality. Um, that was close to a crisis point and good on the team. They certainly righted the ship. But I, I would have thought if we're talking now with the team being successful, and this is where you're getting, we get picky, Justin and uh, Brent, is, um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't have expected one nothing games. I know this isn't a one nothing yeah. game, but by and large, it was. And and I'm not saying that in a negative way at all, because I mean, you know, maybe last year in the playoffs, if you could have had a one nothing game in game five, six, or seven, like about the finding different ways to win. I still think ultimately it's the shootout that um, they'll, you know, win more times than not than pretty well any other team in the NHL. But you know, mm-hmm. good on. This is always what Mike Babcock preached, Justin, about getting to the next level. It is, Gord, but, like, the weirdest thing about it is, like, do you think that this is sustainable for them? Like, when they go into the playoffs, do you trust this team to, to win one nothing hockey games? Jack Campbell in that, this decor? You know, I, we're, I, I mean, I'm a little befuddled at it, even the concept, you're right, of, like, you know, they are winning games and keeping the opposition from getting shots and goals and, and possession time and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's good, and it's what you would want from a coach. It's just, like, really hard for me to wrap my head around this Toronto Maple Leafs team, which, you know, we've thought of for years as a chance-trading, high-flying, scoring team that's, like, 26th in goals per game or 27th. Like, it just feels like to me, if this team is going to win a lot of games in the playoffs, that they're they're going to have to score. And I don't know. Maybe they got it figured out on the defensive side of things. Well, you know, I, I, on our show, I've been critical of uh, the decor at times, and they they just keep winning. One thing I do want to be cognizant of doing of is is not letting the winning gloss over what seem to be weaknesses. And Sheldon Keefe has talked about that too. So I think we're we're fair to identify some of them. But it is crazy. This is a team that has had its success on defense, when it's certainly not how we would have thought of them going into the season. Brent, yeah, and we, I mean, uh, Brent, are we under oath to uh, to Justin's question about do we trust that this one nothing team? I'm really? never yes, under I, oath. I want an answer. I would not. I would. I, I can't put my hand on anything. I'm pleading the fifth. We'll catch I know on you fire. Yeah, I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> um, in terms of yeah, it's man. If if we're going to if I I think those are all fair questions to ask. I mean, I am I'm always probably a little bit too bullish on this team, no matter what it looks like, no matter what iteration. I, I'm I'm a true believer. I I am who I am, and I think back to last year. You know. We were talking about Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin being this great defensive pair. They haven't been that this year, but over the past handful of games, it's looked a little more like what what we're used to. You know, TJ Brody and Morgan Riley, you know, I don't think anyone's signing Morgan Riley up for the Norris, but boy, it's amazing how much better he's looked with a competent partner who plays the right side of the ice next to him. And then you you have kind of three guys who are kind of filtering in. Of I'm gonna I'm gonna lump Dermot in there with with the with Lilligren and Sandy and kind of finding their way to Defensively, and you know, I think it, it's a group that I I need to see a lot more of it to believe it. But I don't think it is, you know, some astronomical belief I have that they could be a team who wins two one or well, okay, maybe two ones enough, but three one games uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, it's it comes down to the the bottom pair for me, the the Sandine and Lilligren thing. Like, what you know, what is going to become of that group come playoffs? Is this is this what what it's going to be that they they're just going to kind of roll these guys over? You know, one conversation that you know I'm going to pull back the curtain on real Kipper and Bourne here are heavy processes, but like you know we have a group chat going through the night, and I think every Leafs win over the past God knows a couple weeks now, Kipper has texted about the other team. God, they look awful. Like Nashville's awful. <laughs> look at a text. Vegas looks awful. Vegas, they're terrible. Philly's no good. Hey, eh? Philly looks awful. It's like. I I agree with them on all accounts. These they, it it just seems like they're getting bad effort after bad effort, and like uh, having the epiphany tonight. Like, 
boy, at some point, do you give the team credit? And and I'm not saying that about Kipper. I'm saying that about my own take. Like, at some point, you look at this decor we're talking about and say, they must be doing something right if every time you go up against a team, it seems like they're doing terribly. So uh, the results are pushing it to a point where my my questioning of the decor is, uh, you know, maybe I need to reevaluate my assessment. Maybe they're better than I think. Boy, Kipper, I cannot believe he has the attention span to remember who the opponent is. So this is good. He's going to throw, <laughs> throw I love that he's uh, not here. You get to have open season that's here. That's it. This open mic. Open Kipper. Open Kipper. But I'm going to do a little bit of pivot now. That's called. That's kind of a cool term there, Brent, just so you know that. For the oh, okay. I'll there. write but, it down. Uh, but uh, you would get it, Brent. Justin, you work for the organization. Your dad has Stanley Cup rings working for an organization that uh, had success. Little things are big things. And mm-hmm. um, it kind of came from nowhere. I, I really love what they did with Dion Phaneuf. I just liked it. It was not yeah. over the top. This is a guy that wore the sea with a lot of pride. Uh, I, and I, I said, I, I, I mean, I don't know the guys nowadays. I, I got to know Dion. I golfed with him once in PI at a charity tournament. He wore the sea. His voice started to drone, drone on when you're losing. It wasn't his fault, but that's part of being the captain. But I also like that where they put his banner up and the way John Tavera spoke, particularly Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley's a gem, man. Morgan Riley's yeah. a real leader there. And I just, I, you know, and, and that, that, Justin's a little thing, but it's a big thing. It was done really right. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, the organization is doing their best to you know, honor the tradition and, and look past some of the frustrations that fans may have had. Like, that's, uh, Phaneuf is a perfect example of a guy when, like, you really zoom out at his tenure here. Like, the guy dressed in a lot of hockey games and was a captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs and, you know, wasn't involved in some sort of, you know, terrible off-ice scandals or anything. He went to work every night. And, that, you know, that's what people wanted here, you know, at least claimed to have wanted. And, you know, but because he... You know, didn't carry himself in the media the way they wanted to, or you know, I don't even want to mention Saluke because whatever. But like, it's just, I agree. It was a nice touch. They they honored the good that a guy did for the organization, and I think that players on the team now can, will see that and recognize that their contributions aren't going aren't going to go unrecognized. That it make them them feel more appreciated, sort of in a, a related way. I think it's just good for the culture to to honor you know honor the years that wasn't just fifty four years ago, but honor a lot of the good that's happened for uh, the communities in, in Ontario and, and for Toronto in general in, in the years in between. Man, that's that's such an eloquent answer. I kind of feel silly following it up with because I want. I'm gonna. We're gonna. Gordon and I'll talk about this a lot tonight. I think. I think that you kind of. I echo a lot of what you said. And now I'm just thinking: Do we want to have the Nick Ritchie conversation, or can I have some fun about the almost <laughs> fight between Wayne Simmons and Mark Borowiecki? I'll let you choose. It's the last one we'll ask you tonight. Would you okay, rather well, talk Ritchie or Simmons Borowiecki? Let, let's do uh, Ritchie because Simmons Borowiecki is just like, oh, I was too bad he got a finger in there, and they probably should let them fight anyway. Yada. I'll um, say my quick. I'll say my yeah. quick, quick piece on that. It was just like uh, dumb or or v- full of valor or yes, both that he wanted to fight Wayne Simmons <laughs> while being unable to see Wayne Simmons. That's really all I wanted to say. There. Uh, I'm not going to say dumb. Not in a million years would I answer that question. Dumb for fear he'd hear me. That guy's a he's an absolute warrior. Um, for for Nick Ritchie, I'll say it's you know I'm glad I loved seeing him throw a hit. And I loved seeing him get in a fight. And I've been begging for him to find a way to get involved, even if it's not going to be offensively. So that's great. But, like, 
the same shift that happened on, he turned the puck over twice before. There's just so many moments where the frustration is adding up to me. We're like, they got to give this guy more games and more opportunity to find the best player he can be for them because he hasn't found it yet. And if he doesn't find it by the trade deadline, I doubt they're going to be like, let's just see if next year it works. You know, I think he's got a couple of months to figure it out and we'll give him the, the, the chance to. All right. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of what I saw about that as well. I, I didn't really understand switching it up and when when the team had been you know kind of winning eight of nine. But if you want to give that guy a chance, you got to give him a chance with those guys uh, while he's feeling good about himself. Uh, Borny, always love uh, having you on, and honestly, uh, loving your work with uh, Real Kipper and you. All right, guys, appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. There he goes, Justin Bourne. Hear him all the time. Real Kipper and Bourne. Gord, I mean, uh, we'll we'll get back into tonight's game. I don't want to go too deep into this without without having the the enough conversation. You know, I think it's really easy to sit there and say, "Oh, you're honoring a guy for what? His team never got out of the first round." Being the captain of the Leafs and carrying that that load, that mantle, uh, whatever you want to call it, that matters. And being able to do it, I know the salute gate thing happened, but being able to do it the way the way he did, it just you you're always going to honor a guy like that. And I, I was happy to kind of see him get his his moment in the sun tonight. Yeah, just last one, Nick Ritchie taking a dumb penalty didn't help either. That's, that's no, another one. not not at all penalty as we said. Uh, it's. Um, by the way, I was the discoverer of Salute Gate doing Leafs Nation post game. By the way, with Mark Osborne, and, I remember. Uh, yeah, I just kind of. Uh, and Ozzy said, "He goes, do you think this is a big deal?" And I had a few expletives that go, "Yeah, I couldn't believe it." There, I said, "They're telling the fans to bleep off," and they couldn't even do Salute Gate right. So they um, <laughs> they started to skate to the middle of Salute, and I like Dion, but Dion kind of forgot. I guess there was going to be a protest, and Phil Kessel skated over like a little kid in public school and whispered. And all of a sudden, then quickly, Dion and Phil signaled everyone to turn around and come back. Meanwhile, Cody Franson and Leo Komarov had already saluted. So they, the team was so bad or out of whack then. And there are actually some good players on that team. They screwed up salute gate. The upside was uh, Brendan Shanahan realized what a disgrace it was. And that was Brendan Shanahan's first year. And he just kind of said that, you know what, that can't happen. And, th- and that really, so, so even though some people say, oh, uh, why do you bring it? No, no, that, that, that was rock bottom. That brought up a lot of things, and Dion Phaneuf was very candid. That's the one thing he regrets. And fine, you move on. You know, you move on. It's, uh, that's totally fine. Uh, and, like, you know, like I said, being captain, you said it. He, I was surprised his seniority being captain. He'd been captain a lot of games compared to others in NHL history. You know, Matt Sundin, a lot of people said, oh, Matt Sundin, he, he lacks the fire to be a captain. Matt Sundin was a great captain. He was yep. a great leader. And Dion was the same. You know, Brian Burke will speak glowingly about him for very, very good reason. And I just think it's tough when you are... It's like, you know, I got tired of hearing R.A. Dickey, right? You know, I mean, it was good that he showed up. But, man, could you? Know, I thought your knuckleball was going to win a World Series or something, not have three home runs against you the first game. So, uh, your first game he pitched. So, after a while, you got kind of tired of hearing R.A. Dickey because, to me, it meant the Jays lost. And, yeah. <laughs> and Dion Phaneuf, when the Leafs were struggling... He, he was a stand-up guy, and that's what he should be. But, but a lot of fans would associate it with times they didn't re- remember so fondly. It was thought after they took the Bruins to seven games that better times were to come. They weren't, and Dion was the captain. And I'm super glad, super glad he got acknowledged and appreciated and embraced by the organization and the fans. 
Yeah, and you know, it's 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 just nice for him to have that moment because you know we can all we can all hop in the time machine and get back, you know, something like fifteen, twenty years ago. And you know, we I think we all think if you run back Dion Phaneuf's career a handful of times, you know, he had. I'm just looking at his hockey DB here: twenty goals, seventeen goals, seventeen goals in, in his first three NHL seasons. And you know, goal scoring is not what he's there to do, but he just never got back to being kind of that type of player. And I think the fact that when you have a career that doesn't go it didn't go I want to be so clear about this did not go poorly by by any means the guy had a long long successful career you play over a thousand games in that league and you get your silver stick there's no way it went poorly but it's just for a guy who you know there it had to feel like there was a little meat kind of left on the bone there to come back and and get that moment it was just it, it was it was so nice for him and honestly I think it's nice to kind of put that that aspect of it to to bed you know who knows what he'll end up doing with the organization I know there's been some kind of talk about that I think that stuff is you know down the road we'll, we'll see what happens there but I'm just I'm thrilled he got to he got to have that moment um we should probably uh look at look at tonight's game uh, as well you know I keep coming back to it it's the fact that when I'm sitting here watching this game in the third period and I go back to you know even last year or two years ago you're sitting there watching a Leafs team up one nothing in the third period and it feels like they're getting caved in the whole time. You're on pins and needles. You're you're expecting the bad thing to happen. And, you know, part, part of it is, yeah, they played some teams that are down in the doldrums. Sure they have, but they're putting them there. It, it just feels to me like this is a group that it doesn't panic. It, it believes, one, they can go out and get another goal to give themselves some breathing room. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, and again, I don't want to make this the dump on Freddie Anderson show, but they just seem to have such a full-forced belief in, in Jack Campbell. And I think that allows them to play with the confidence confidence they do when trying to close out games yeah you know with, with COVID world everything's been so scattered right it's hard to remember other seasons because COVID world ended with the thud then they played in a bubble then last year wasn't a real season so I, I, I'm I'm trying to remember if we had the same eerie calm certainly I, I was very uh, pro Freddie and I'm not saying you weren't uh, as far as how we played in the regular season but yeah, Jack Campbell, like his numbers really have been off the charts, and people forget that last year in the in the uh, different kind of regular season. And again, yeah, that that one nothing lead. I, I, you know, normally one nothing. It's oh my god, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to tie it. What's you know you, that you're thinking because, like Justin Bourne said, we're giving the Maple Leafs prop for their defensive play, but. Really, can they sustain it? That's not what the team's built around. It doesn't mean you don't have to focus on playing good defense on that, but these these one nothing wins or tonight really basically a 2 nothing win plus an empty netter uh, uh, aren't what you, you expect the odd one from the Maple Leafs, but this, isn't the, this is the way the New York Islanders are supposed to win games, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing on it right now. So uh, I, I, I go back to it. I, I could totally concur with you, Brent, about... It, you know, begins and ends with the goaltender playing at, and can he sustain it or not? Well, I don't know, but he's doing it. Jack Campbell, just to that kind of level, kind of that level, because it's, you know, it's not even like he got tons of glorious scoring chances against him. He made the big saves, but, you know, the team just seems to have some kind of defensive structure that up till that Chicago game, where pretty well everything was lacking, that, that included. Yeah, and it, it's it's as simple, really. It, it seems like to me is just keeping. Look, no NHL team is going to get caved in their end for the entire game. Like you're going to have moments where they possess the puck, and it's going to be in your end, and you're going to have to find a way to defend. But you know, I go back to that LA game on, I guess it was last Monday, and how many times when we were sitting there watching it, do we say once again, one and done? They get in, maybe the Leafs are able to generate a shot, and then there's no sustained cycle, there's no sustained pressure, and it just felt 
felt like up until, you know, there was a couple of moments there with about 10 minutes left in the third period where the Preds started to build some momentum offensively. But it's just the ability to just snuff things out. And again, this is the part that I think we're all kind of waiting to find out still about this team is, are they doing it because they have this built-in defensive structure? Or is it the offensive players kind of taking over? And once they get the puck, they're just able to break it out. And that's that. And I think that's the part that we need to see a lot more of. And that's what the point of my, and that that's what the point of kind of, you know, going through the 82 games of the regular season. We know there's not much of a point, get to the playoffs, but I think that's the thing we have to find out is, is this team doing it with a lockdown defensive strategy and, and, you know, play, or is it the fact that the offense is kind of taking over? And I guess the third question is, does it matter? Okay, Brent, you gave me three questions and not one of them was about the power play. I love that. I love that. Like it goes back to last year before we were we were a duo this year. That when did we not have the Leaf power play to talk about? So I, I actually do find this. I, I I do find this kind of refreshing. And it's and and hey, it's not that we're not being constructive. Uh, so you know to to so as uh, Justin was kiddingly saying, Kippy kept talking about the opponents. Well, Vegas was brutal that game, but Vegas has played good ever since. They really have. They've been injury depleted. They've actually played really well, competed really hard. Nashville's not a good run. Nashville's not a bad team. This is not. This is not a weak team. You could maybe think, uh, you know, are the Leafs uh, supposed to steamroll everybody? That includes Nashville, maybe. But that's a team that's been playing pretty well of late. And you know, Boston and Tampa Bay, Atlanta division rivals. So, you know, good uh, good on whatever teams you're supposed to take care of when you get on a run. But also, uh, the ever since that Carolina game, which was such an eye opener, with Sh- Sheldon keeps comments that. There seemed to be a have and have not division, and was he alluding to the Leafs being in the have not division? Uh, if he was challenging them, um, yeah, that was smart. They've risen to the challenge. Yeah, they they have, and you know their next game out that that's on Thursday. It's at home, and it's the Rangers back in town. You know that was that was arguably one of the most entertaining games of the season. The overtime between the two teams was just incredible. So we'll see if they're able to to carry that through uh, as the Leafs look to stay red hot. I mean, uh, I believe uh, the they flashed the stat on the broadcast. They were six and zero entering the third period on holding on to leads. So six and zero when leading after two periods. That's now seven and zero. You know, again, that's a stat that used to haunt this team they used to uh, curse them and they'll have a chance to kind of battle back from a couple of their their toughest losses this season so I mentioned it's the Rangers on Thursday the Penguins on Saturday and then on Wednesday it is the LA Kings there's a game against the Islanders in there but you get a chance to for redemption against the Penguins and the Kings coming up in in pretty much the next week here this is you know I I don't want to say a huge stretch for this team but I think that if they're able to kind of put a stamp on this streak by getting the best of the two teams that they really took it to them in it, it would just kind of make it all the more meaningful. You, know, you wonder, hey, I'm not saying this is what factored in tonight's game, but it's kind of a bummer for Nashville that, you know, you're making this trip and now your game against Ottawa is canceled, right, or postponed. Yeah. So they'll have to uh, figure that out later on. It's one of the three games that the Senators uh, have to postpone for COVID reasons, starting with tonight's game against the New Jersey Devils. I don't, you know, sometimes it's funny. I mean, that's not, that's not you know, it's a trip. Uh, the the players look forward to, but also it's one you, you want to knock off a bunch of games against a conference, the opposite conference in the Canadian frigid cold and get it all done. So anyway, Nashville's going to have to do, and hopefully, hopefully, we're not going to see more of these, Brent, because then that, you know, if it turns it into last season, these kind of challenges, it could impact the Olympics and there's all those things. But yeah, I'm looking forward, you know, uh, uh, New York Rangers, uh, tough, tough news for them with Sammy Play being out for the season. 
Looking forward to that on Thursday. Remember how well Shesterkin played, and he was a difference maker in the Rangers' win over the Maple Leafs. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are, you know, struggling. Sidney Crosby kind of rattling the cage there, which is good when the best player states the obvious. And we'll see what we have on Saturday. It's always a, always a marquee game. And we're not talking about, hey, what's going to happen if they lose tonight and go like 1-9-0 <laughs> or whatever it may be. Um, everything seems to be on course to let, let this 82-game regular season involve. And then... In the playoffs, we'll talk about the parade, or we'll be talking about, hey, what are Leafs going to do with this first-round exit again? You, oh man, you you said you're not happy to talk about the power play, and I completely agree with you. The thing I'm happy we're not talking about tonight is the play of UC Soros. He was incredible, but how many times this season, and we can go back to the Canadian division last year, and UC Soros is not some backup. This is a studly goaltender. But how many times have we talked about a goalie just kind of stealing the game against the Leafs or taking what should be a beatdown and making it not that? The fact that they were able to overcome that, just another, another great sign. More Leafs Nation postgame continues here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Gord Stellick, Brent Gunning alongside me. We'll hear from some of the principals involved. We'll have the Nick Ritchie conversation as we continue here on Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590. The fan. Leafs Nation postgame, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me walking you through another Leafs win at home tonight, getting the best of the Predators and, you know, a good friend of the show. I know he's a friend of yours. I'm going to count him as a friend because I've spoke to him twice in my life. Mike Zeisberger doing the hard reporting, doing the digging out there. Uh, they have spoke to Mark Borvieski after the game. Uh, this is his quote on attempting to fight Wade Simmons before it got broken up. He's a class act. He got me right in the eye. I was going to tuck my chin and throw rights, but he and the ref said, let's be smart about this. And Gord, I just love that. The idea that yeah, I can't see, but I'll just tuck my chin and eat a bunch of punches from Wayne Simmons and, and try to get in a few myself and see how it goes. Uh, man, hockey hockey players are just built different. He was the guy, remember he did that infomercial with Eugene Melnick? That's right. Remember the Between two, two of them? ferns, yeah. basically, yeah. So, I don't know what's more punishment, letting Wayne Simmons pummel you or <laughs> sitting there doing that infomercial, but uh, uh, I found it legit. That was smart. Guys get hurt in fights. You know, Minnesota Wild, Matt Dumba felt he had to respond, and that may have cost them their season, right? Again, a game yep. against Calgary. So uh, I was okay with that. That He's, he's an honest guy fighting, and uh, so good decision that way. Hey, the other side, because uh, you've talked, you mentioned you've talked to Zeisberger a bit. We always talk to Stevie Fellin, our stats whiz. So Jack Campbell's record at home with the Leafs, at home with the Leafs, 16-2-1 <laughs> in 19 games, 16-2-1, a uh, 1.95 goals against average, a .930 save percentage. That's Jack Campbell's uh, career. I take it that's regular season, not playoffs, but career record at home with the Maple Leafs. Wow. That's uh, that's insane. I, I honestly, with this team, have been a believer of, I don't know how much home ice matters. You know, I think this team's road game kind of travels, the matchup thing, the fact that they have two kind of, you know, de facto number one lines. I, I don't know how much it's mattered for them in the past. I see those numbers and I say, you need home ice. And not that Campbell's bad on the road by any means, but man, those, those numbers are just ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, uh, I'd be chanting soup at him too if, uh, if those were the numbers. And in fact, they are. That's, uh, that's incredible. And yes, always, always, always. Uh, 
shout out to Stevie Fellin. You know, it's funny. Somebody who he we we have seen him so far this season because he plays for the Kings. At least I believe he he dressed in that game. Is is Victor Arvidsson, and he's been such a staple on this Nashville team for so long. And it's funny how you know I know our producer Sam McKees is guilty of this as as anybody else, but uh, I always get these guys in my head, and it's just they seem like they're leaf killers to me. And Arvidsson's one of those guys. So I was uh, I was very happy not to see him today because it just seems like he's one of those guys who's just always been kind of a burr in the Leaf saddle. Yeah, it's funny. You're right. And it's especially the guys you don't see as often, right? It's usually divisional rivals because you see them a whole time, a whole bunch and you just remember them, you know, killing the team. And uh, in, in Arvidsson's case, I mean, the, the national petters, the David Poyle, what, what a stat tonight. The day, like David Poyle has been general manager since year one. Okay. And I, and I like David Poyle, but he, but he probably found the secret thing is always keep on an even plane. Don't get too high. Don't get, don't spend too, to, too off of getting too low. They're the only team besides Seattle, and Seattle has a player on pace for a 40 goal season. Nationals never had a 40 goal score. You put an all time, uh, you put an all time Nashville Predators forward line together. What do you get? You talk about the D, you get you get about you get a billion of them. You know, add Suter, add Shea Weber, you know, guys that they've moved on beyond Roman Yossi and that, you get phenomenal. They they've they've drafted D extremely well. You get like no forward. So, you know, and then and then that's why he made those trades for Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson and um Duchesne coming back in a big, big way, but Kyle Turris has moved on, and and Victor Arvidsson was another one of those decided to make the trade to Los Angeles that you know broke up the gang, and they just weren't getting the offense. Yeah, and maybe maybe the best trade he ever made was the was the one for a forward, albeit a prospect at a time, the Martin Erat for what ended up being Philip Forsberg trade to, to oh, yeah. Washington. You know, yeah. that's if if you're going to sit there and say a Pred one day is going to get forty, I, I guess he's a good a bet as any. But yeah, it is it is amazing the amount of defensemen they have they have kind of filtered through through the system there. Ryan Ellis, I believe you mentioned him there. You know, uh, he's he's gone on to other pastures this year. But yeah, it's a it is it's a truly a phenomenal run the way they've just been able to pump body after body and quality quality blue liners there uh you've heard from me you've heard from gord let's hear from one of the goal scorers tonight leaf center austin matthews austin do you uh do you feel like that's maybe your your team's most complete game this season um definitely one of them i think uh the third period especially just locking it down and um just playing with good structure and um all four lines not giving them too much and um you know ending up scoring a couple goals to, to put the game away so i thought um overall obviously a really good game but i thought that third period we really stepped up and um shut the door what do you think the play of the uh, camp lines might they've been great for us all year i mean those uh those guys are just really good uh in all three zones and uh, Camper especially, um, he just seems to always be in the right spots. Um, you know, they got really good chemistry between him, Cash, and and Pierre, uh, but especially those two. Uh, you know, I think they've grown up together. They have really good friendship off the ice. It really leads to a lot of uh, you know, really good play for them on the ice, and they've been unbelievable for us. Can you take us through what you saw in your goal, how it developed? Sorry? Can you take us through what you saw in your goal, how it developed? Just good puck movement. Um, well, they made a really nice pass to me, and I just... Try to find an opening and uh, snuck it through. What uh, the the one up the crossbar in the post? Do you think that was it, or did you know right away that it was? Uh, I didn't know honestly. It uh, felt like it hit three three different uh, posts, so I don't know. I thought maybe we'd get lucky on that one, but uh, it happens. Um, but we got the win, so that's all that really matters. Jack played his hundredth game tonight. You kind of feel like he's in the zone right now, but uh, nothing. nothing. 
I can't say enough good things about Soup. Honestly, he's been he's been so good for us ever since he's got here. And um, I mean, I could go on and on, but just his attitude every day. He comes to the rink with a smile on his face, and he he competes for us every night. And uh, like I said before, that's all you can really ask for from your goalie. And um, you know, I think we always have full confidence, obviously, when he's in the net because uh, we know he's gonna he's gonna work and he's gonna compete for us. And obviously, he was unbelievable for us tonight. What is the comfort level with these low scoring games, and what does it bode for the future in terms of? I mean, I think we've been pretty comfortable in these uh, in these tight games. Um, you, know, you look at this one, uh, Philadelphia, obviously another really strong team throughout their lineup, and um, you know, I think our third periods in, in both those games are just really uh, really solid for us. Um, you know, we weren't looking to kind of cheat for offense or anything. We just kind of played within our structure, and um, those chances ended up coming uh, coming our way, and we were able to capitalize on them uh, both those nights. So. I think that third period is something that we'd like to obviously replicate. Thanks, Austin. There's Leafs center Austin Matthews talking about a couple of things there. How strong the David Camp line is, the team's ability to lock it down or stay comfortable at least in in tight scoring games, and then the strong, strong, strong play of of Jack Campbell there. You know, one one thing we we probably should talk about tonight. It was such a it was such a big kind of point of conversation all, all season long really and the fact that he's back up on the top line tonight Nick Ritchie you know you and I have both been I think doing a pretty good job and hey he's helped us out with it of finding positives in, in his game you know I understand completely Sheldon Keefe saying Let, let's have one more crack at this well let's have one more crack at this well everybody's feeling good Marner's flying high Matthews is feeling good and Ritchie is actually playing you know some better hockey but it just seems to me like they, they've tried this thing out a few times now and and Richie in the top six, and definitely with those two, it, it's just not working for me. Still, I don't want to say it's early, uh, but yeah, it's not. I mean, that's the, that's fact. That's fact. I, I still wouldn't totally write it off. Just, uh, I think the killer tonight was was the ill-advised penalty. That was just a, a selfish, dumb penalty to take. Now, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's he, he's the one biggest of uh, free agent signing. He's not John Tavares caliber. Not TJ Brody caliber as far as the money and term went. Uh, I thought early on when he got in that, you know, got got physical that you could kind of see that side to him and, you know, where he can contribute. But, um, you know, he's a guy that's got to find a way to, to, to contribute there and play there. And they got to, in my opinion, help find a way to do it. You've got to. You know, once you make these decisions, you, you, you've, you've got to do a lot of research in your scouting and your pro scouts and everybody else and your analytical people and the people that make judgments beyond analytics. And you, and you can't just discard the guy after whatever it is, 15 games or so. There's no question it, it hasn't worked so far. But, you know, this is a, a, upon everybody, especially when you're winning again, when you're back on a, you know, to find some ways to get him included and, and, and help him contribute. He's got to help himself. He didn't do that tonight. So let's let's end on a positive then, and, and why not? You know, three nothing okay. win, good good thing to do. Let's just talk about the other free agent signing. Who's a winger? Andre Kasha. You know, we knew the story about him. If he could stay healthy, it was almost certainly going to be a great signing. So far, so good in the health department. But I mean, he's showing he's given that camp line, the checking line, a little bit of offensive punch, a lot of bit lately. And I mean, they've been lights out defensively. They're getting all the tough assignments. That that line has been. So so crucial for what this team's done and as strong a play as camp has been I don't want to shortchange him it does feel like if there's an engine to that line it's been Kasha so you're not talking about bunting 
I'm going to leave it alone for one okay. night, although he did okay. he did draw a penalty and had a couple of good looks on the second power play unit. But no, I'm not going to do it tonight. Yeah, I thought, and, and again, trying to, uh, I mean, it was Kasha that game in Ottawa. You remember that? That he, yep. he, he, he kind of overreacted quickly and led to the third Ottawa goal in the first period. That's part of trying to make an impression. But yeah, I, I like it. I like I, I like what I've seen. There's not really not a lot not to like the way the Maple Leafs are playing of, of late. But it's nice this kind of environment allowing most of the new guys to get a lot more comfortable. That's right, and he's a great teammate too. More excited for Camp School than I have seen him for any of his own. Gord Stellick, you're a great teammate. No wonderful co-host. Love, love, love doing the show with you tonight. We'll be back down at the barn on Thursday night. Leafs and Rangers will have the full post game here as well. Post game pods wherever you find them. Thanks so much to everybody behind the glass. But most importantly, thank you for listening to Leafs Nation post game on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.